Be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. What are you like when you get angry? How would people describe you when you get angry? Would people like you when you're angry? Mr. McGee! Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> some of you remember. I know there's some out there of at least my vintage that can remember watching The Incredible Hulk. Before the uh, movies came out, guys, boys and girls, before the movies and cartoon, well, this was based on cartoon, but people wouldn't like him when his, he was angry. Do you remember why? What exactly happened to him? Oh, just to give you a heads up, I believe in this scene you're going to see something called a payphone. And um, you put money into it, and, and uh, Dr. David Banner, the character, didn't have 25 cents to put into the phone, and that made him angry. I Pretty accurate description of you. <laughs> yeah, that's what would happen when he would get angry and he didn't have control of that person that he became. He didn't know what he was going to do or say. And, um, well, the whole premise of the show was based on him trying to figure out how to control what is called the raging spirit within. This is how the show uh, is premised. David Banner is believed to be dead, and he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. All right, now bring back that kind of entertainment, right? Was that cheesy or what? You gotta love that. But that was the dilemma, how to control the raging spirit within. In fact, Kenneth Johnson, who was the producer of the TV show, The Incredible Hulk, put a title card in front of the uh, pilot episode. And on that title card, he wrote this. Within each of us oft times dwells a mighty and raging fury. Is it true? Is that what dwells within you? Now, let's be clear. The Incredible Hulk is certainly an example of what can go wrong if we are not in control of our anger. But there certainly are plenty of ways that anger can lead us into sin of all different kinds without turning into the Incredible Hulk. You see, we need to begin the discussion of 
anger by recognizing that it is a universal experience for each and every person. It is one of the emotions that God has given to us and wired into us as human beings. How old does a baby have to be before you might witness the first outburst of anger? A toddler? Why do they call it again, it's been so long for me, but why do they call it the terrible twos? Does it have something to do with temper tantrums? And, and learning that word that, that you never taught the child, but that word that starts with an N and ends with an O. Yeah. Yeah. You see, anger is part of our universal human experience. And in and of itself, it is not sinful. But there comes a point where not dealing with it appropriately, not learning how to control it, can lead to outbursts, hurtful words, destructive action, or it might lead to other issues such as anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, passive aggressiveness, a cynical and very critical spirit. All of these things are part of what may be the package of anger. And so we take opportunity to say and wrestle with how we respond when, not if, but when we experience anger. Now to look to the scriptures, we of course can recognize that many times God in judgment, we're told, was angry with the people. And we know that familiar story of Jesus going into the courts of the temple and, and cleansing it, overturning the tables and, and swiping away the money and using a whip to drive out the animals and the money changers themselves. The disciples looked back on that event and quoted the scripture that says, zeal for thy house will consume thee. Jesus was filled with anger, yet without sin. We are told, be angry and do not sin. In fact, do not let the sun go down on your anger. I don't know about you, but that seems to me to be nearly an impossible task. To completely deal with and, and manage my anger every day and not let it go into the tomorrow? How is it that we need to control our anger? Well, first of all, we should also recognize that the Bible and a very popular understanding of anger is that it can be cared, compared with fire. The word anger is used 272 times in the ESV translation of the Bible. Well over one-third of those times, the word anger is paired with a word that is a characteristic of fire. Namely, 
that it talks about anger being kindled or that anger burns or that anger consumes or straight out that anger is fire. Maybe that's why when we depicted in emojis or cartoons, there's, there's steam coming out, red face, of course. And, and we think of that, we talk about people who are hot-tempered or hot under the collar. By the way, it very well may be that just as God has wired each of us with the emotion of anger, so in a fallen world, sometimes those emotions and our wiring may not be perfect. And perhaps some of us have to deal with being more quick-tempered than somebody else. Some of us may have more of an anger issue than others. But that does not mean that each and every one of us does not need to be aware of and know how to control one's anger. Why is anger compared to a fire? Well, on the one hand, fire is considered to be one of the great, quote, greatest inventions for humankind, isn't it? I mean, when, when fire is used for, for warmth, for protection, for cooking, for food, for so many things, and yet at the same time, if it is not controlled, how many houses and businesses haven't burned to the ground? How many acres of forest don't we lose every summer to forest fires? And tragically, how many lives are lost because of fire that has gotten out of control? Maybe it makes perfect sense that anger would be compared with fire when we think of how many lives and relationships are ruined because of anger that is out of control. Well, if you were to want to find out how to deal with anger, you would find probably a never-ending list of articles and suggestions and, and guidelines and anger management classes and so forth. And you know what? I think those things have helped a lot of people. And, and they may be something which are very important to, to each of us. For example, you'd look up something like an uh, article, How to Control Anger, 25 Tips to Help You Stay Calm. What do you think some of those tips are? Honestly, I'm going to break outside of our typical Lutheran sermon situation where um, there is no response from others. And, and if there are responses from you, I can't see them anyway. So, but in this case, I'm going to ask you to speak out loud without raising your hand. I can't see that either. Um, and just tell me what are some of the tips that you think are out there to help you stay calm. You don't have to talk about yourself. You can talk about your spouse or what your spouse should be doing, okay? So that's that way everybody's safe. But um, what do you think some of those tips are? Please call them out very nice and loud. <laughs> Prayer. Is that what you said? All right. Absolutely. Are you always in a mindset to pray the moment that you're angry? Maybe. Maybe not. Some others. What are some other tips? 
ten, that makes the top, that one's number one, by the way, on that 25. Maybe in your case, count to 1,000? No. Um, <laughs> slow down. Take a step back. What else? What was that? Did you say love? I'm sorry. It is love. So consider your response and is it going to demonstrate love? Again, these things would be great and can be very, very helpful. Again, how successful we are at using them may be another story. There are things about doing relaxation, deep breathing, um, engaging in exercise, taking a time out, repeating a mantra, I will not get angry, or I will not get Well, whatever's going to work for you. And of course, prayer and love. The American Psychological Association has a brochure entitled, Controlling Anger Before It Controls You. And it has this part in that brochure that says, um, these are strategies to keep anger at bay. And number one is relaxation. Number two, cognitive restructuring. Leave it to a bunch of psychologists to come up with some fancy term that simply says, change your way of thinking. Cognitive restructuring. So change your way of thinking as well as your attitudes and presuppositions. Um, problem solving. Take the anger and turn it into trying to solve the problem that may have caused the anger. Better communication. How many of us communicate really, really well when we are boiling mad? Yeah, me neither. And finally, it talks even about trying to use some humor. Well, good luck with that one. But um, So anyway, there's oodles of information about how to try to control anger and anger management. But this is not the point of this message to teach those or to talk about self-help or classes. But as a preacher type and in the setting that we are, of course we should consult the absolute truth, the Word of God, and see what we can learn from there. And so I would direct us to the account of Jesus, not in the temple when he overturned tables, although that might be uh, and is a wonderful, so to speak, example of righteous anger, but rather the gospel lesson for today, Mark chapter 3, that our vicar read. Namely, simply a miracle a man with a withered hand, Jesus said, stretch it out. He stretched it out and it became whole and restored. Wonderful. Miracles like that are a dime a dozen in the Gospels. But this one stood out because of that word anger. You see, the context was it was on the Sabbath, a day of worship, a day of rest. And it was in the synagogue, the place of worship, and there were the religious leaders there who were watching Jesus closely. But they weren't watching him to learn from him. They weren't listening for him to gain knowledge or wisdom. Rather, it says, they were watching him so that they might accuse him. You see, they were in 
a sort of battle with him, not the least of which was political. And they were playing that ever popular political game of gotcha. And whether or not this man with the withered hand was a setup, we're not told. But they wanted to see if Jesus was going to dare heal this man and therefore in their minds violate the rules of the Sabbath, the third commandment as we number it. Well, Jesus knew all of this. He was not naive. And so as he called the man forward, he asked them a question. Tell me, is it legal or lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? Such a simple question. But that question took their whole argument away from him or from them. And their hardness of heart was clear. And that's when it says, Jesus looked around at them with anger. Was his face starting to turn red? Was his heartbeat starting to accelerate? His blood pressure starting to rise? I wouldn't be surprised. Could you see it on his face? I think maybe. What would he do? We might expect a verbal rebuke, a condemnation of those, and that indeed might have been an appropriate response. But in this case, that's not what he chose to do. Instead, he chose to continue to do what he was going to do, and that is he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and as he stretched it out, it was made whole. You see, what Jesus chose to do in response to anger was to do a miracle. So there you have it. The next time that you are filled with anger and are right on that verge of not knowing what to do and, and possibly sinning, simply do as Jesus did, perform a miracle. I heard a couple of chuckles. The rest of you are still wrestling with your Messiah complex, apparently. No, let's not say we can do miracles, but let me say it this way, that what Jesus did was he did what was right for the kingdom of God. In this case, it was performing a miracle, but he did what was right for the kingdom of God. Imagine if that's how we looked or we're able to look at situations, even when we're filled with anger, to try to evaluate and say, what is right for the kingdom of God? Because that's what God has called us to do. Back to our epistle lesson gives us some examples. I don't know if it's specifically for this, but it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only for building up. You see, to do what was right for the kingdom of God would be not to lash out and be mean to someone, but to somehow try to build up. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Think of how many things that anger would lead us to do that would grieve the Holy Spirit. 
It says, let the thief no longer steal, but let him do what is constructive and helpful to those in need. Do you see the pattern? That when we are filled with anger, we are led by the Holy Spirit, which is in us to do what is right for the kingdom of God. Oh, how challenging that is. And how often we have failed. After this account, or right after Jesus performs the miracle, you may have noticed that it says that the Pharisees went out and immediately consulted with a group called the Herodians. I don't know much in all of those politics back then, but it was clear that these two groups normally didn't talk with each other. But they did now. Because they had a common enemy and they consulted with each other and conspired to do what? In order to destroy Jesus. You see, that's what their anger was leading them to do. To take destructive action against God. Thanks be to God that God used that to accomplish his plan. Because you see, when Jesus was ultimately hanging on the cross, it was not the anger of the Herodians and the Pharisees or the Romans. It was not even our anger that put him there. It was the anger of the Father towards his only begotten. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus was filled with the sin, including all the sins of anger that you and I have committed. And the Father had to take his righteous wrath out on his Son to punish it, to do away with it, to forgive it. So that when the Father looks at you and me, even as we may be filled with anger, he says to us, I'm not angry with you anymore. I love you. You are mine. My spirit lives within you. And yes, you can do what's right for the kingdom of God, even in the midst of anger. You see, we may not be able to let the sun go down on our anger, but God never has. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.